When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the British Ice Hockey Podcast. Available every week on Audio Boom, the iTunes Store and from BritishIceHockey.co.uk. Hello and welcome to this week's British Ice Hockey Podcast. I'm your host Ben and coming up on this week's show, we're going to be talking about the international game and especially that great performance from the GB under-20s last week in Lithuania as we're going to be joined by head coach Martin Grubb. We're also going to be talking the Elite Ice Hockey League with Ryan Finnity, head coach of the Manchester Storm. And of course, we'll be talking the National Division of the NIHL as Tom Watkins, head coach of Telford, will also be joining us this week. All of that and loads more on this week's British Ice Hockey Podcast. So hello everybody and welcome to this week's British Ice Hockey Podcast. Loads of interviews coming up this week. As I said earlier, Martin Grubb, head coach of the Solway Sharks and of course the Great Britain under-20s side will be talking to us later in the show about that under-20s World Championships last week uh, where Great Britain won a silver medal. Not bad at all. Uh, we're also going to be talking the Elite Ice Hockey League with Ryan Finnerty, head coach of the Manchester Storm. Big game for the Storm this weekend as they host the Five Flyers in a bit of a playoff four-pointer. And uh, speaking of the Five Flyers, we're going to be talking a bit more about the Flyers as we're going to be catching up with the editor of the Five Free Press, Alan Crow, uh, to talk all things Flyers. And we've got Tom Watkins coming on to talk about the great form of the Telford Tigers in the National Division of the NIHL. And finally, coming up on this week's show, we're going to be talking about the Challenge Cup and the Sheffield Steelers more generally, as Peter Spencer from BBC Radio Sheffield will be joining us on this week's British Ice Hockey podcast. So that's the introduction to the show. Let's have a look back now at all of last week's action. And on Tuesday, I caught up with the Oracle of British Ice Hockey, BritishIceHockey.co.uk's very own Mr. Craig Anderson. So, Craig, a big thank you for joining us uh, on this week's show. Uh, we'll get to the Elite Ice Hockey League and the National Ice Hockey League in, in a second or two, but I think we should start off talking about the, the brilliant performance uh, by Martin Grubb and his under-20 side uh, last week. Silver medalists. Yeah, magnificent. And, you know, when you look back on the, the whole week as a whole, 
you know, you'll see that that first game against Japan was was the one that did for them. Japan obviously went on to to win the group with a one hundred percent record. And if a team goes through that with that kind of record, you can't really argue the best team um, certainly took the honours in this case. But I think a lot of positives can be taken from GB's uh, campaign. You know, goals getting scored, performances maybe dipped at times, but they certainly had the character. Um, to bring it back and to win the remaining four out of five games, I think it's a credit to Martin and the, the team that he had there. Now, we'll try and get Martin on this week's show, uh, but let's move from the international game and talk about uh, the, the Elite Ice Hockey League, uh, some some fascinating results from last weekend. Firstly, it's uh, it wasn't a four-point weekend uh, for, for the Sheffield Steelers, uh, a 4-2 defeat uh, to Belfast on Friday night, uh, but then on Sunday they beat the Glasgow clan and they, and they came from behind again uh, to beat the clan. So a mixed bag of results there, but certainly bouncing back on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just when you think Steelers were starting to, to motor on a little bit, maybe try and push away from those teams underneath them, they, they, they sort of slipped a little bit with that defeat to, to Belfast on Friday and then Belfast subsequently slipped on, uh, on Sunday, which I'm sure we'll get to in due course. But it's still strengthening Sheffield's resolve at the, the top of the table. Uh, the character they showed again on Sunday, 3-1 down for the second week in a row against the Glasgow clan, and then coming back to, to win is a credit to them and the players they've got in their side. So well done to them. You know, they, they, they got the two points enough. That's three points clear they are at the, the top of the table. Cardiff still have those games in hand. Um, but it gets even more interesting, doesn't it? You know, you're really looking for a team to just to build up a body of wins and then just keep going to the end of the season. I don't think we'll see that from the top teams. I think it's going to be as tight as it is right now. But right now, they're the team at top and, uh, you know, they're the team to catch. Yeah, you mentioned Cardiff, though. They did. They, they have clawed back a, a couple of points, obviously. Uh, a 2-1 win over the Storm on, on Saturday and a fantastic 5-2 victory over, over the Dundee Stars. So, as, as you rightly say, Craig, uh, they're three points behind with four games in hand, the Devils. Uh, it's... It is going to go down to the wire, isn't it? Especially, you know, Belfast just just looming in the in the near distance as well. Yeah, Belfast still very much in the race, but I think they, they've slipped a little bit now. That's them seven points behind Sheffield at the top, but only four behind Cardiff. And the Giants have played 34 compared to Cardiff's 32. And as I mentioned, Sheffield playing 36 so far. But I uh, know Cardiff, Cardiff seem to be just going about their, their, their business quite quietly there. You know, they're, they're picking up results and um, that they're getting victories. They picked up a couple of losses recently, which kind of set them back a little bit. They're still very much in that title race. If they can get those uh, the points in those games in hand, that would certainly turn momentum, I would say, their way. They're still hurting after the manner of how they lost the title last year. They want that back. You know, rest assured, Andrew Lord will not um, rest on his laurels in the, the coming weeks and months to try and achieve that. So, you know, we're, we're seeing a real, I would say, a three-way battle. Nottingham maybe come into it a little bit mm. as well. And then a little bit further back, they've had the Continental Cup action, which again, I guess we'll probably talk about. So it's a real interest clash between those four teams at the top of the table. And when it comes to the, the teams playing each other, well, I think that makes it a little more interesting. Uh, you, you you mentioned the Nottingham Panthers there. Uh, they, like you say, were in action last weekend uh, in the league. Uh, nine points, the gap to top spot. They do have four games in hand, and that is because of the Continental Cup. It was it was a decent weekend uh, for the Nottingham Panthers, and they they could come away from Denmark with their head held high. They absolutely can. You know, they're a team that I've shown in recent years that they have a pedigree about them in Europe. They always face the challenge head on when it comes to playing. Um, European competition and, and other clubs and they certainly did that this year um, going to Denmark was a, a tough proposition I think Panthers 
maybe had a slight advantage compared to Krakow and um, Neyman Grodno, the other two teams in the group, because they'd already played in Denmark in the previous round. Um, they beat Sona Jiska the last time, not so the case this time. They lost in penalty shots, but they still got a point from that game. That was something they could take from it. And then they went on and beat the other two teams as well, coming from behind in both games as well, showing real character. Um, you know, and you, you're not left to wonder that first game as maybe did for them the same way GB's under 20s game. That first game was, was the one that got away from them as well. It could have been also different, but when it comes down to the lottery of penalty shots, anything goes, I suppose. And Belfast found that out last year as well. One penalty shot that doesn't quite go in makes all the difference, and that certainly looks to be the case for, for Panthers and their European um, European hopes this season. But well done to them. You know, seven points from the three games. The same total as Sona Yiska, but Sona Yiska's head-to-head um, record again. That penalty shots win is the one that's did for them. Ah, well, a, a, a big congratulations to Nottingham Panthers uh, flying mm, the flag definitely. for the Elite Ice Hockey League in the Continental Cup uh, last week in Denmark. Uh, they're back in league action on Thursday, firstly, uh, taking on the Glasgow clan. And then they've got a bit of a break, which I think they're going to need. And then on Sunday, they're travelling to the Five Flyers. Uh, so it'd be interesting uh, how, how they bounce back in the league this weekend. Yep, and you know, that, that game on Thursday against the clan um, is an interesting one. If you know We talked about the gap between them and the top right now. They win that game. That starts putting them back on the road. They've got the luxury on, on Saturday of seeing how the other teams play their games out and see where they, they stand. And then the Panthers go to Fife on Sunday. A long journey for them, but they'll have a better idea of where they stand. And they could be just that little bit closer at the top. Again, just depends on, on what happens with fixtures and how results go. And when you look at the Steelers, you know they, they've got two games against the teams immediately below them. So that could open a door for the Panthers. Uh, the Guildford Flames uh, sitting fifth. Uh, they consolidated their position in the playoff uh, spots, I think, this past weekend. Uh, they were beaten uh, on Saturday at Dundee, but only after a shootout. So, And then on Sunday, uh, as we mentioned earlier, they beat the Belfast Giants by four goals to one. Um, so, so a good weekend there for, for Guildford. Yep, they've been on a bit of a bad run over the festive period coming into the new year, so they've certainly arrested that that decline a little bit. A three-point weekend is is not something you can you can sniff at, especially when you have to go to Dundee the first game, which can be a, a tricky venue for a lot of teams who you know who tend to go there. Um, so they found their way to goal. They, they got a a point from the game. They didn't win the game ultimately, but I think Paul Dixon um, took a lot from that game to take it back home and that long journey back down to Surrey to take on the Belfast Giants. And what a result for them to, to beat the Giants by four goals to one. We, we, we spoke about the Giants and how, you know, just when it looks as though they're, they're going to start making a, a play for the, the top of the table, they, they slip. And this is another instance of this where they, they go down 4-1. Two empty net goals, so that, that kind of shows you maybe 4-1 is maybe a bit kinder on Guildford because it was a, a tight game by all accounts. And Belfast going for it in the last few minutes. They, they pull the goalie and Guildford get two empty net goals. So it's, it's effectively a 2-1 game. Um, but enough for, for Guildford to get the win and get them back on track after what's been, I would say, a f- probably a frustrating uh, couple of weeks. Yes, uh, but uh, 36 points and uh, Coventry Blaze are also on 36 points. They too have had a, a, a decent weekend, uh, a defeat on Friday, but after overtime, so so a point there for Coventry. And uh, then on Saturday, uh, they beat the Five Flyers uh, by four goals to one. Uh, so... Coventry, uh, they've opened up a 10-point gap between themselves and that ninth spot, so it's uh, it's looking promising in the second half of the season now. 
Yeah, definitely. And when you consider the game on Friday um, against the Glasgow clan, Danny Stewart actually reckoned that was a disappointing performance from his team. They were 2-1 ahead. Clan got a, a late equaliser to take the game into overtime, from which they won. I think there were certain elements that the game Danny Stewart wasn't happy with. I think the, the incident that led to the, the power play um, equalising goal, he was very unhappy about He copped himself a, a game misconduct for abuse of officials. Um, I th- they thought they'd got a third goal near the end. It was uh, wiped out for a high stick for which a, a player whose name escapes me went into the penalty box and Clan got the equalising goal and ultimately went on to win. So there was a momentum swing there. But they bounced back with that four-run win against the Five Flyers on Saturday. And, you know, again, as you say, Ben, it keeps them up there. 36 points is a good return. They've, they've caught up with Guildford Flames above them, although Guildford have got a couple of games in hand. But as you say, pulls them away from that bottom two. And that's an area Coventry were, were keen to, to get away from this year. They've done it the last couple of years, scraped into the playoffs in the last weekend. So, you know, I think there should be progress if they were to qualify for the playoffs in fifth, sixth position. That would be considered progress, I think, for a team like Coventry who have struggled around the, that kind of playoff line for the, the last uh, three or four years. Moving away from that uh, bottom two area, Manchester Storm, uh, they were, there was that big game, wasn't there, on Sunday at the Five Flyers uh, between the Storm and the Flyers and uh, Manchester took the points home with them, three goals to two. They go back head-to-head uh, this Saturday, incidentally, at Altrincham. Um I mean, that that's a big result, that, for the Storm on Sunday, though. Huge, absolutely huge. And, you know, Fife are trying to get the, the troops rallied, that the fans get them in the door, make them loud and proud in, that, in what they call the old barn uh, in Kirkcaldy. It didn't quite work for them. You know, Manchester getting a 3-2 win. That would have been a, a, a win for Ryan Finnerty to have enjoyed. Manchester have been picking up points in recent games. Um, that's a couple of wins and an overtime loss out of the last five, yeah, which isn't bad. Five points from, from the, out of a possible ten keeps them very much above that that playoff line as for five you know if ever there was a game they needed a result it was that one however it's not lost you know as you as you say Ben they play Manchester again this weekend and hopefully they'll be able to to turn that around again whether they can is another thing Dundee have been picking up points as well so we'll have to wait and see what happens over the course of the weekend and what position these teams are in by the time we, we get to Sunday night. But it's certainly going to be an interesting one. It's, it's worth keeping an eye on. Yes, very much so. Uh, let's talk about uh, the matches then this week. And uh, just to say, we're recording this bit of the show on Tuesday. So Glasgow clan against the Sheffield Steelers in the semi-final. First leg of the Challenge Cup. That's taking place on, on Wednesday. So uh, just, your, just your general thoughts heading into that one? You would have to say Steelers are heavy favourites for that one. Not only the fact that Steelers are top of the table right now, Clan have been a bit um, hot and cold in terms of their form. They haven't won a lot of games recently. Injuries still continue to affect them, although they have added uh, Swedish forward Marcus Johnson um, has joined the club. So we might get a first look at him, depending on whether his clearance arrives. Um, interesting times. Steelers have won the last three and won them well. So, again, that's another factor that maybe goes against the clan. But clan are at home, you know, if they can get uh, something to hang on to after the first leg to take it down to Sheffield in a couple of weeks, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, it looks like Steelers for me, certainly. It's a big weekend uh, for the Steelers, isn't it? I mean, they're travelling to Cardiff on Saturday. <laughs> what a game of, mm. of ice hockey that's going to be. And then on Sunday, it's uh, the Steelers hosting the Belfast Giants. So, uh, travelling to second place on Saturday and then hosting third place on Sunday. Uh, incidentally, on Sunday, is there going to be a problem with drums or something? <laughs> well, we don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad you asked me about that. No, there was the, the, the strange, strange instance where uh, Glasgow Clan fans who were in the Fly DSA arena 
on Sunday. I'm led to believe something in the region of 40 fans travelled down from the west of Scotland, a couple of whom carried drums with them. Now, anybody who knows the, the clan fans uh, know that there's always a drum involved, that, you know, the drums up atmosphere, no pun intended. Um, they, they use it a lot at home games, they take them with them in away games as well. And that's just to get the just to get the fans singing, get everything going. And uh, the clan fans were, were asked to move um, to uh, an upper an upper part of the um, of the arena. Um, this was something that was tweeted out, and you know straight away it got the, the reaction you would expect from a lot mm. of folk going, you know, what for? They were too noisy by all accounts. The information I have um, regarding that was that a health and safety complaint was made to the Steelers. Now, without knowing health and safety law or guidelines, and they have to look into the complaint and be seen to be dealing with it, which is what they did. And I've, I've got no issue with that. Um, so. Where it doesn't quite sit right with me is the fact that this was a building who the pre- previous week held 9,200 in a game against the Guildford Flames, who themselves have a, have a guy who goes to all the games who takes a drum with them yes. and can be quite loud. Um, but that was okay. You know, There was no issue with that one regarding that. But I've seen a lot of people comment on social media about oh, the, those drums are too loud and it's ridiculous. And, and I'm sorry, the games are not being played in libraries. You know, They've been played in arenas where Iron Maiden concerts have taken place and things like that. I just thought it was a little bit preposterous. But, you know, take your book, take your Sudoku puzzle, as I've said in the five things we learned this week. Um, you know, you might as well sit in a library. I just think it was ridiculous. Well, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Craig Addison there. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to just to say, uh, matches uh, then this week and uh, outside of uh, the top three in action, re- remarkable stuff. Uh, obviously on Saturday we covered that big game, Manchester Storm hosting the Five Flyers. Uh, Five are also in action on Sunday. Uh, they'll be taking on the Nottingham Panthers. Other matches over the weekend, Coventry hosting Dundee. Uh, obviously Dundee, we don't really spoke about them, but the, you know they had a, they've had a good fortnight, haven't they? And uh, they didn't really get much last weekend, uh, so they'll be lucky to bounce back. But as we said, Coventry plays uh, for them on Saturday. Uh, then they'll be hosting the Cardiff Devils. Uh, and uh, Guildford Flames uh, taking on the Coventry Blaze on Sunday. Only one game for, for Guildford, uh, so they've got to make it count, haven't they, Craig? Yeah, absolutely. And again, with, with it so tight around that, that top half of the table, you know, as you say, get the, the two points they need to, to keep things interesting and that's all they can ask for. And it's going to be a tough game. You know, you, you can't say Coventry plays the way they are right now is going to be a, an easy one. Coventry, I think, are a, are a team that can be quite unpredictable. They've got the scoring. We've spoke about that before. Defensively, they can be a, a little bit um, suspect as well. So, so Guildford certainly have uh, have it in them to, to get the result and, and keep them keep things interesting. Absolutely. And uh, just before we leave the Elite Ice Hockey League, uh, some some big news uh, for the, the playoffs. Premier Sports have uh, increased their, their partnership with the league and are now sponsoring the, the playoff final weekend and the Challenge Cup final weekend as well. So that's that's cracking news for the sport. Great news. I'm literally just seeing that just now. It just gives you an idea of when this news was released when I've literally just seen it just before you mentioned it there, Ben. Fantastic. You know, it's great to see that that level of exposure, that level of, uh, of investment coming from uh, you know, well-respected media partner as well. So great investment for the league and you know the playoffs and Challenge Cup final, and great news for everyone involved. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's the uh, Elite Ice Hockey League. Let's touch upon uh, the the national division of the NIHL now. We had a, a double header this past weekend uh, for both uh, teams up at the top, and nothing's changed uh, because uh, both teams won. Uh, firstly, Telford beat uh, Basingstoke on Sunday by four goals to three. Uh, that was after uh, they defeated the Leeds Chiefs by four goals to two on the road on Saturday. Swindon kept the gap the same though, uh, beating uh, Bracknell Bees four on Saturday and a fantastic win for Swindon on Sunday in Romford beating the Raiders by eight 
goals to three. So nothing's changed up at the top. It's 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 as you were. Yeah, very much so. Still Telford's to lose as we stand. Seven points of a difference between the two teams. Telford have played a game less than, than Swindon, seven points behind them. And that's all Swindon can do, really. Just keep winning, keep on their tails. Hope that Telford slip up somewhere along the line. Um, you know, and, and they can take advantage of that. But no, nothing's really changed in that respect. Not a lot of changes in that league, actually. Brightnell um, getting a, a victory over Peterborough, I think, probably does more for them. It lifts them above Raiders in the in the, the table right now. Milton Keynes, you know, split the weekend against Sheffield Steel Dogs as well. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of change in, in that front, um, but still, you know, interesting to see how, how this is going to pan out over the next uh, few weeks and months. Uh, you mentioned uh, Milton Keynes and their game with the Sheffield Steel Dogs. Operation Stop Stewart <laughs> didn't work on, on Saturday somewhat, but uh, on Sunday it did, uh, as uh, the Sheffield Steel Dogs, uh, like you say, beat uh, Milton Keynes on Sunday, but uh, that's after overtime. Uh, Generally, though, Milton Keynes' form just, just continues, doesn't it, to, to grow and grow and grow. Uh, Basingstoke Bison also had uh, a, a relatively good weekend. Obviously, they were beaten by Telford on Sunday, but uh, they beat Hull Pirates by five goals to two, creating a little bit of a gap uh, between third and fifth, uh, whilst the Peterborough Phantoms uh, were victorious on Saturday against the Raiders, but then were beaten uh, by the Bratnell Bees. A fantastic result for the Bratnell Bees, who've now uh, overtaken the Raiders uh, down in the bottom two. Yeah, just when you look at the middle portion of that table, between Basingstoke Bison in third place, all the way down to Sheffield Steel Dogs in seventh, those five teams only six points separate them. So that's very much a... Uh, very open in that respect. If Bracknell can get a little bit of form and, and claw their way back, um, you could add a sixteen. But with eight points of a difference, I, I suppose that, um, that that's a bit too much of a gap at this moment in time. You know, and these are the teams that are you know they're splitting points. They're, they're getting a win one day and then losing the next, or they're just missing out. One of them needs to, to go on a little bit of a run and try and get them up there. We talked about Milton Keynes before, and I've I've often said you know Milton Keynes just start needing a run, and they've, they've got that. They've they've pushed themselves up into that that, uh, that that top area, which is great for them to see. They're only five points off uh, third place, which I think if you'd said that in October, you would have been roundly laughed at, given the way they were playing. So that's good. You know, that's an interesting portion of the table, and we're seeing just how tight it is in that portion. Swindon and Telford just away from everything at the top. Brighton Raiders and Leeds just a little bit away from it at the bottom. Yes, uh, just to say, Milton Keynes Lightning will be hosting uh, Swindon on Saturday, a mammoth game that one. Mm. Um, it's the only one game for for Swindon this weekend. Two for Telford on Sunday. Telford will be hosting the Leeds Chiefs, but on Saturday, Telford travels to Hull, and uh, I'm imagining Swindon will be looking at that, going, "That's that's a banana skin for." Telford. Um, so, so we'll wait and see. But that's that's our look at uh, the national division of the NIHL. Uh, just before we go, Craig, uh, BritishIceHockey.co.uk. Loads of cracking stuff over the last seven days or so on that website. Um, one one article in particular we've not really touched upon is the 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 growth of the game and and possible future expansion for with with teams coming in from from all over the place. It was in, interesting uh, musings that you were putting out there this past week. Yeah, it was just something that came to mind last week about you know we, we start to wonder. I enjoyed the league when it had twelve teams in it. Um, when Guildford and Milton Keynes came into it a couple of years ago, obviously uh, that was the same year Edinburgh. Um, that was their last season, as it turned out. They sadly left at the end of that season once the situation with Murrayfield became um, apparent and then Milton Keynes obviously got themselves into, into a bit of trouble, um, which meant they had to return to the, the sort of National League last year. So we're back down to 10. And I've often wondered, you know, it's a, it's a conversation that happens every now and again. 
um, about possible teams coming back in. We keep on hearing about this London franchise, which seems to have been talked about forever, but we haven't heard anything about it for such a long time. And I, I, I must admit, I speculated a lot when I wrote that piece. You know, you know, is the London thing on hold because of the possibility of a KHL team coming in there? We just don't know. Um, I, I remember speaking to someone up in Aberdeen. Um, you know, I think they, they looked at the possibility of, of joining the Elite League and for whatever reason it's, it's not happened. They've maybe decided it's maybe too big a leap or financially it's not feasible. For whatever reason, I think interest in that's cooled. Um, I know fans in Newcastle and uh, the, the North East would love to see a team back in there again. Of course, the, the Newcastle Vipers, that's coming up in 10 years since we, we last saw them. But sad to see Hull, you know, that's another team. We saw them as the Stingrays. The Pirates are, are doing what they're doing in the NIHL National League. Would they consider coming back into the, the top flight? Again, so many, so many, you know, possible you know, variables we could see teams coming in. I threw in the, the little caveat of Dublin, mm. you know, a team from Dublin coming in, um, a little bit of uh, rivalry for the Belfast Giants and All Ireland affair. You know, and I got a big response from that. Actually, I've seen quite a few fans going, "Oh, there, yeah, that would be, that would be fantastic." It's the, week, it's the, week, it's the weekend away trips, Craig. I mean, well, on. I was just going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I think there was some fans uh, dreaming of uh, weekend away trips to Dublin. I think that would be quite good. Um, but it was also mentioned to me that I, I didn't catch this until the other day that Todd Kelman, who's very obviously big in the, the Elite League board, had revealed that Tilburg Trappers, the Dutch team, had applied to join the Elite League, um, but then withdrew their application. So, you know, a weekend away in Holland somewhere, um, that never really got off the ground, but that would have been an interesting one as well. And it just shows you, you know, if, if teams like that, if their applications are, are, are being at the very least considered, then the UK Elite League might be uh, might be expanding its borders a little bit. Yeah, it might be a, a Northwest Europe League, perhaps. Mm, that, might be, perhaps. that might be the way to go. But uh, anyway, it's very, very interesting. And uh, loads of great stuff on there coming up this week as well on BritishIceHockey.co.uk. And uh, Craig, a big thank you for joining us. You have a lovely weekend and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Craig Anderson there from BritishIceHockey.co.uk speaking to us on Tuesday. And obviously, we were talking there about that Glasgow clan against Sheffield Steelers semi-final first leg of the Challenge Cup, which took place on Wednesday. 2,240 people witnessed the Sheffield Steelers defeating Glasgow by five goals to one. Quite a performance there from the Sheffield Steelers, especially in the final 20 minutes or so of that encounter there. And uh, for more now on the Sheffield Steelers and that fantastic result on Wednesday night in the Challenge Cup, on Thursday evening, I caught up with BBC Radio Sheffield's very own, here's Pete Spencer. What a phenomenal performance that was by the Steelers last night, particularly the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah, especially in the third period. I mean, Sheffield this season has been a team that, especially late on in games, have got that kind of extra gear just to kind of put teams away. And, you know, 1-1 going into the third period and then, you know, 24 seconds into the final period, kind of set the tone, Tanner Everly with another fantastic goal and obviously followed that up with a, a second in the third as well. And, you know, you look at the contributions of John Armstrong and actually other players recently have kind of picked up. It's not been that just that top unit. Lucas Sandstrom had kind of made it five last night. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a really good and a really strong finish and obviously put Sheffield in, in a really commanding position now with the with the second leg on coming on the 29th. Glasgow must be fed up of, of seeing Sheffield in, in all fairness because uh, obviously there was the, the weekend win weren't they 7-3 and uh, uh, they played early in, earlier in January and, and beat them as well so um, I mean where do you think the, the Steelers are at the moment because they're, they're doing well in the league they're doing well in the Challenge Cup they're doing well a, a, across the board and um, is this meeting the fans' expectations do you think and the club's expectations for this season? I think it's more than exceeding the fans' expectations I think 
you look at the season they had last year and it was such a, a torrid season in terms of performances and that probably had an effect on, on attendances. I've got the figures in front of me. But the, the feeling coming to the rink last year compared to this year is night and day. Um, you look at where Sheffield are, I think the fans just wanted to be competitive this year and that probably meant to them a few points behind Cardiff and Belfast but kind of in the vicinity and to obviously be on 49 points, Cardiff on, on 46 um, and well out in front, even with those games in hand that Cardiff have got, I think the fans are delighted where the season is and I think now they've put themselves in a really good position, obviously they haven't won the Challenge Cup in, in so many years, I mean going back all the way into the into the early 2000s um, and when you look at, at the fact that they're in the semi-final of the Challenge Cup at the top of the Elite League you know clear by three points and they've got the playoffs to come they're in all three competitions they're playing really well and you look at how many points they're scoring as well I mean to have Brendan Connolly and Marco Valorand the, t- the top two in terms of total points I mean that's absolutely fantastic and I th- I'm sure Sheffield would be pleased with, with where their players are and uh, obviously, the the crowds are, are, are mirroring the, these on on our success at the moment, and uh, superb attendances over the festive period. Uh, I mean, the, the the good times are back. It feels like without without jumping the gun too early. Yeah, it certainly seems like that. And I forget the statistic that Jonathan Fernley mentioned at the game, um, but it was three consecutive games where they had over eight thousand people at the rinks, and I was at all three of those home games, and the atmosphere was phenomenal. I mean. Boxing Day is always a special night, but you know when you look at, at the other two games, and, and obviously Manchester, it is a rivalry game, but maybe not the the standard of team. But you know you still had kind of ninety two hundred people turning up and, and seeing some great hockey, and I think that's the difference this season. You know, a team that are scoring goals at will, um, and they're playing entertaining hockey, and that's obviously bringing the the crowd back to back to the arena. Let's talk about this weekend then, uh, because, um, I mean, a big game on Wednesday night, obviously, in the Challenge Cup, but back to league matters. Uh, and, and how, on Saturday, Cardiff Devils away, on Sunday, at home to Belfast. It doesn't get much bigger, does it, really? No, and I think this week is one that could really define the Steelers' season. Obviously, they've got part one done, which is obviously that big win in, in Glasgow and taking a, a four-goal aggregate lead into the second leg. Step two is, obviously, can they go into Cardiff? Can they win? Um, they haven't won in, in Cardiff for, for a, good, a good while now. Um, so, and I, I was speaking to Dave Sims at the club the other day, and, and he was saying, I think, out of the three games that Sheffield have against Cardiff, they probably need to win two out of three of those games. And I think if they can do that, then mathematically, assuming one or two games dropped here by either side, I think Sheffield should come out on top. However, if Cardiff get the advantage, and then obviously you've got Belfast coming on Sunday. I mean, actually, Glasgow to then Cardiff, and then back home to play Belfast. The players are going to have done a lot of miles by the time it comes to Sunday. Obviously, they lost the last time they played Belfast, despite playing really, really well and being in that game. Just came up against some solid netminding from from Shane Owen. So it'll be Sunday will be really interesting, but I think Saturday will be a really good yardstick for where Sheffield are, how far they've come, because they played Cardiff earlier in the season, and I think it was a 3-2 loss, but it was such a tight game. And I think that was maybe the turning point where Sheffield realised this season that actually they can potentially compete with with Cardiff in terms of the rosters, in terms of the experience, in terms of the offence that they've got. And I think 
Cardiff were actually quite lucky, in my mind, to come away with a victory in that one. So I think it'll be interesting down there at, uh, at the Viola. Absolutely, it's going to be, and it's going to be such an interesting second half to the season. And uh, just before you go, Pete, just a, a, a quick plug for for BBC Radio Sheffield as well, and uh, and and their coverage. Uh, what 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 have you got coming up this week? Well, as ever, it kind of depends on how the games are going. Um, so this week, um, I, what I normally do is I do a Tuesday Tuesday night chat with with Aaron Fox, and normally if they played away on the Sunday, um, I'll go in uh, maybe chat to Aaron grab a coffee and talk about things and then obviously if there there are players around normally we'll we'll sit down with, with one of them and that'll go on to our sports academy show of course we always tweet out the interviews as well um and then after the games it'll, it'll kind of be it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top obviously we'll have to we'll reflect on the cardiff game and then probably talk about the um about the belfast game but i think it'll be interesting and i might try and grab a word this week with brendan Connolly, um who's obviously just been called up to to great britain's um squad and it's his first call up for, for Great Britain. Great for him to be included in, in that for obviously the, the pre-Olympic uh, qualification. So I think it would be interesting. And he's had, had such a good season. I mean, he's got 22 goals already, 42 points. And a lot of those kind of penalty issues, which were obviously creeping in at the start of the season, he's kind of addressed. And that, I don't know whether or not that's something he's done himself. I've spoken to him about obviously that part of his game. He said, I don't want to lose the physicality and the, the agitator because that's he's playing his best when he plays on the edge. But I think it's interesting now that he's maybe cleaned up some of the sillier penalties and some of the untimely penalties that he was taking towards the end of the game. And I think it's no, you know, he's been rewarded with obviously being top of the points, tally, but obviously getting this uh, Great Britain call-up as well. BBC Radio Sheffield's Pete Spencer there speaking to us here on the British Ice Hockey Podcast. And make sure you give BBC Radio Sheffield a follow on Twitter. That's at BBC Sheffield. Uh, But uh, from the Sheffield Steelers and the Challenge Cup now to a mammoth game this weekend in the Elite League. Manchester Storm will be hosting the Five Flyers, a proper four-pointer down towards the bottom end of the table in that race for the top eight. And shortly, we're going to be hearing from the head coach at the Manchester Storm, Ryan Finity, will be coming back on the show shortly. But before that, to the Five Flyers. And on Thursday afternoon, I caught up with the editor, for the Five Free Press, here's Alan Crow. Well, Alan, a big thank you for joining us. And this game this weekend is absolutely mammoth. I think we can all agree. How how important do you think it is for for Five season? Oh, it is. It's, it's become one of the defining moments now. I think because of the situation that they find themselves in and the situation that they've put themselves in. You know, both teams have got to win this match, and the victory will have a, a huge impact on the race for the playoffs. Five haven't won for, for, for a long time now, uh, going on before Christmas. Uh, yeah. Ironically, it was an overtime win against Manchester, incidentally. Um, I mean, it's been a, a difficult season thus far for the Flyers, it feels like. Yeah, it's been a, it's one of those seasons that on, on the ice and off the ice, it's just been tough from the one. I mean, sometimes these things happen. You know, sometimes you go through a season that just doesn't work and it just all falls apart. I think the big, big problem was when they lost to Manchester the weekend there, which is fairly typical of the whole season, score first. You know, then they fall behind. Then they're playing, they're playing chase up hockey all night long, and they just haven't got the the resources or that extra bit of grit. When things are going wrong, they just need to dig deep and get themselves back out the hole. They put themselves in. But a lot of fans are saying, you know, if you lose on Saturday, game season over. But there's something like forty points still mm-hmm. to play for. So mathematically, no, it's not over. But from what they've seen in the team, it the psychology of the team, the mindset of the team, there's a huge, huge question mark. Is can they dig themselves out of this hole? But saying that. 
there's been some excellent results this season, you know, beating really beating Belfast yeah. Giants back in November and beating Guildford on the road. That that was a hell of a result. The performance yeah. there have there have been blips of performances. There have been I think that's what frustrates the fans is that from from October onwards they knew the team had to be strengthened. It's no secret. I mean I, I was I was chatting to folk about in October and they were saying three changes. Yeah, you know, and make three changes and this team goes from you know, competent, good, solid to you know, something with a cutting edge. We're now into January, and for some reason, the directors are just not sanctioning that extra body. They need somebody to come in and spark, and light, to light a spark, otherwise the season will flatline and it will be gone. But the longer you wait for that move, movement, the less chance that you get somebody in. And it, you know, sport's all about making the right move at the right time, and you kind of wonder if Fife need to stop being just so conservative with a small C. And you know, if they want to make the playoffs, they've got to gamble and roll the dice. Because that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, like like you touched upon, there's a lot of points still available. And when you, every yeah. weekend there's four points available, it's not beyond all realms of possibility if I can get into the playoffs. It's, it's only, I think it's four no, points, it, isn't it? So it's just... Yeah, but, uh, there's a four-point swing. Obviously, you beat Manchester, it is a proverbial four-pointer. But, you know, they, they can't find the consistency. They can't find the spark. I mean, you listen to Todd Tames' interviews at the end of each game, and he's, he's making a very common theme is that this team comes up short, full stop. You know, it doesn't deliver 60 minutes. You know, he's he won't hang his team out to dry. That is not his style. He's gone as far as he can by saying he needs extra players. You know, they have made the case for an extra body, whether it's one or two. I mean, an impact player. I mean, they've, they've brought in guys before. Nico Sacchetti, I think, Posh Turnbull was one. You know, guys who have just... The, the mood in the dressing room changes. A new face comes in. Every kind of raises our game a bit and suddenly you get that ignition. But for some reason, it's the boardroom is just not, it's not biting yet. And that's holding back the entire season. And it, the real danger now is it could end very, very quickly if and they don't do something. What's your gut feeling about this weekend and and the Storm? Because obviously, you know, Manchester Storm have got themselves into that, that eighth spot at the moment. Uh, yeah. Dundee are starting to uh, purr a bit recently. They've they've strung a couple of good results together. So, I mean, what, what's your general sense on, on where five, what five could do in the coming weeks? I think the first when you see Manchester have started to, I mean, they've struggled. They've been bottom two pretty much all season. Dundee bottom two all season. You know, they are two, no disrespect to the teams, they're two average teams. But they've made changes. They've got big results when it mattered. You know, going down to Altrincham, you know it's going to be in-your-face hockey. You know it's going to be tough. It's going to be physical because that's, that's Ryan Finney's style. But strangely, Fife, a team who don't play that style, seem to quite enjoy playing down there. <laughs> you know, but bizarrely, it's a tight ice pad. Maybe that, I don't know, that in Carlo Finucci's, that's two overtime winners he's shot down there. I think they can keep it tight. They won there last time, so they know they can do it. Keep it a one-goal game, and they actually have the confidence to do it. But they've got to just find that extra spark to, you know, if they lose, if they go down a goal or two. I think one of my colleagues writes to the programme, John Ross, was saying that if Flyers are trailing after two periods, they don't win the hockey match. Full mm-hmm. stop. They've had... Ten empty net goals, eleven empty. There's that. There actually, there's actually some data. He's like, it's actually quite, quite interesting. As if they fall behind, they're like one in eighteen or something. Which that's a pretty. If I was a coach, I'd be going. I need to know more about that. You know, that, that tells you a lot about the team's mindset. So this weekend, tough, tough, tough. But you know, they did it last time. If you're looking for an overtime winner, then, well, Carlo Fanucci again, my money is him, <laughs> go, for, go for the hat-trick. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to mention the, the fact, you know, the storm away on, on Saturday, Nottingham coming uh, to, to Fife on Sunday. The next weekend, as well as a biggie, obviously Cardiff Devils coming to Fife, then the derby with Glasgow, always always a feisty affair. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks, and uh, that, that brings yeah. me to, to your coverage on the, on the Fife Free Press. 
that comes across in the interview that's that's available now on fivetoday.co.uk with Cal Just and mm-hmm. you know he's talking about you just it'll come it'll come we just yeah. we just need everyone to believe and it'll come uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. the coverage is there isn't it uh, on on fivetoday.co.uk yeah. and it's going to be that's a busy weekend good, yeah. for your journalists yeah I'm, I'm doing I'm doing an Audrey on Saturday um, I'll do the game we'll live tweet it we'll then get the match report up and then Sunday hopefully back at the right side in time for face off for, uh, for Nottingham so a bit like the old days of road trips back to back Alan Crow, there, editor of the Fife Free Press and, and like we said there for great coverage of the Five Flyers just head over to fivetoday.co.uk so a tough test for the Five Flyers on Saturday travelling to the Manchester Storm and joining me now down the other end of the phone we should be joined by Storm head coach it's a welcome return to the show to Ryan Finity. Well, Ryan, a big thank you for joining us and uh, a very, very uh, important game uh, this weekend, uh, the return of uh, the Five Flyers to Altrincham. But uh, obviously the last result was against the Five Flyers and uh, a fantastic victory. So so how are you shaping up heading into this return match? Uh, obviously it's exciting anytime you can get kind of a playoff-style atmosphere uh, in January is, is good. Um, I think we'll, both teams know how important these points are and you know, they're essentially four-point uh, games now when you're when you're looking at teams that you're, you're chasing or are just behind you. So a little bit more importance on it, but at the same time, I think it's uh, it's exciting. And I hope uh, I hope our guys are, are excited come Saturday. It's certainly exciting. This race for the playoffs is certainly exciting, isn't it? And uh, you've got yourself in over that line now. And how are you going to stay there, I suppose, is the question most Stone fans would want to know. Well, I think winning is probably the, the easiest answer to that. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, for us, we feel like we've been playing well for a long time. We've been playing well and not getting results. So we've been pretty, uh, we've been pretty even keel with uh, with our performance. Whether you know it hasn't been ind- indicated with wins and losses. Um, we played some tough teams and we played really well against them, and you know, just didn't find a way to get the win. So on, on Sunday, we didn't, uh, you know, it was probably one of our poorest games we've had uh, for a while, but found a way to win. So it was, uh, it was refreshing for the guys and, and well-deserved. So we want to kind of take that feeling and, and bring it on to our home ice on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, the last home win uh, was, was on the 4th of January and that was against, it was a great result in all fairness against the Cardiff Devils. Um, so there have been glimpses this season of, of what your team is capable of. That's for sure. Yeah. I think we're, you know, we're such a young bunch. I think that we're, um, we don't fear anyone, you know, I don't think we get, uh, particularly up to play any certain teams here we just you know i think for us we know we have to work hard we know we have to, to execute and, and when we get opportunities we we got to be clinical but um they're a fun group to play uh, to coach a fun group to be around and i think uh this saturday gives us an opportunity to to put on a good performance and, and hopefully uh get the points and, and put a little bit of breathing room between us but uh you know i know fife uh fife are resilient they're they're well they're well managed they're going to come in here and and put up a good fight. And how important is, is Altrincham for for what what Storm could be capable of this season and getting into those players? Because obviously you've got Fife this weekend. Dundee is the next home game. So so this, this home crowd is going to going to be really really important. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, you know we've said it all along here the past few years when this building's full and loud, it's uh, it's a pretty intimidating place to come. It's been a fortress, and we you know we haven't quite got there where we want to be this season. Um, you know, for our fans, but at the same time, you know, we're really hoping that they can come back out and and really support this this final push. You know, you know, and pretty soon we're going to be uh, we're going to be down the last couple of games. It goes pretty fast, so I, I know we want to make sure we get this building full and and get that hometown support. 
And in between that, on uh, a week on Saturday, you've got Sheffield Steelers uh, away. Um, that's that's a tough game as well. So, I mean, I, I suppose my final question to you, Ryan, is what, what's your message to that Storm faithful as as you head into 2020 and the running? Because it's all to play for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we've... Uh... You know, we've, we've put ourselves back in the picture here to, to not only get into a top eight, but we, we got, you know, we'd like to set our sights higher than that and, and move up the, the, the table as much as we can and, um, you know, take it one game at a time. At the same time, you know, we, we are, you know, we, we want our fans behind us. We want to see this building full. We want them to encourage their friends to come. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. It's an intimidating atmosphere when she's loud and, and rocking and, you know, and we hold some responsibility to make sure that happens on the ice. So it's, it's, um, I think it's shaping up to be another good finish. Uh, I really like the way our group is. I like, you know, we're, we're healthy. We've, we've come out of uh, an injury stretch there. We've brought in some reinforcements here. So uh, I feel this week we're, we're probably the healthiest and most energized we've been in a while. Manchester Storm head coach Ryan Finity speaking to us here on the British Ice Hockey Podcast on Thursday evening. And uh, we'll be returning to domestic competition shortly as Telford Tigers head coach Tom Watkins will be joining us here on the British Ice Hockey Podcast. But before that, it's to international matters and the Great Britain under-20s team. A fantastic silver medal won last week at the under-20 World Championships in Lithuania. And on Thursday afternoon, I caught up with the head coach of the Great Britain under-20 side, here's Martin Grubb. Big congratulations uh, for, for a great tournament there in Lithuania. Uh, how, how how was the tournament for you? Yeah, thank you very much, Ben. Um, you know, it was, it was obviously a good tournament. I think the, the the slight disappointment was obviously we wanted to go there and, and try and win the gold medal. It's always a target every time you, you go to one of these tournaments. But once we lost that game to Japan, we knew that we had to come back strong and we had to show character and... We had to make sure that we could win every every one of the games that was remaining. And the target after we lost that first game was to make sure we did so. And I mean, the players deserve tremendous credit. They came back you know, the next night and in a huge performance against the, the Lithuanian hosts to win that game. And, you know, we just kept on going and battling away. And it's never easy in these tournaments. But to come away with, with four wins out of five, that's a progression from last year. And uh, more points than last year and obviously a silver medal. So... You know, we're pleased. We're pleased that we've progressed. We're pleased that we got the silver medal. But you know, the players in the end deserve all the credit. It's it's difficult, isn't it, to to be a head coach of of essentially it's it's a development squad, really, isn't it? You're developing players as well as trying to win, get success on the ice and that kind of thing. So the experience that some of these players have picked up over the past week has must be invaluable for their careers going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, our job ultimately is to develop. These, these players, both as hockey players and as, and as young men, and, and try and help them and as best as we can get the best for their careers as they go forward into both a, hopefully a pro hockey career and hopefully some point in, in the future they, they're uh, eligible and, and looked at for the senior men's squad as well. And I mean, we only got together on the, the day of New Year's Day at the airport, we, a couple of practices and a couple of challenge games, so it's, it's always tough when you essentially have a little bit of prep time. But ultimately, as you say, the experience that these guys get from different countries, different standard of hockey, is, uh, is invaluable to them. And, you know, they've learned lessons throughout the tournament. And as I said earlier, I mean, they deserve a lot of credit because they adapted to everything that we asked them to do. And ultimately, yeah, they should be proud coming home with a silver medal. The other thing we have to say is that oh, the games were live on, on free sports too. Uh, and that's great exposure for the lads. Yeah, definitely. It's brilliant exposure for the, for the players. I think the uh, 
obviously the elite league's been getting a bit of exposure and then you get the Champions Hockey League and then the last couple of years the free sports have done a great job picking up the world championship stuff especially at the, the younger ages and I think for the players it's you know, it's just something that they don't get obviously every week at their club level they get the chance to, to showcase their abilities on on the world stage with the, with the TV coverage I think it's also great for friends and family who can't get out there to, to wherever we go with these tournaments and they're able to see them so you know, it's such a huge thing for them. They enjoy it so much, and I just think it's a positive for British hockey generally. And I was going to mention about the competition more generally. That you know, the fact that you're playing Serbia, you're playing Japan, you're playing the host Lithuania. Um, different variations of styles of hockey, I'd imagine as well that they're picking up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, the opening game, you, you jump straight into the top seats against Japan, who you know they had been together for quite some time before the tournament and. You know they were they were very quick and then they're very good skaters and very skillful and you know we we knew what we were going to face we'd done a lot of video and, and tried to prepare as much as we could and you know, unfortunately for us a, a little bit of lack of discipline in that first game cost us against a a very good team but then there's no there's no rest in that real tournament because you've got to go straight back the next night to the hosts who you know it was a big crowd and you know they're a different style again almost that old school kind of Russian style style of hockey where again they work hard but they're really skillful and we have to match that but well, I think we I think we really dealt well with the first two teams even though we, we lost to Japan I think we were, our motivation was high we worked hard in the first couple of games and then sometimes I think we take our eye off the ball a little bit because you look at some of the other teams in, in Spain and Serbia and we shouldn't disrespect these nations because everybody in this, these tournaments come hard and they come to play and you know, there's a couple of games in the at the end of the tournament, we just took our eye off the ball for a little, t- a little bit of the little spells in the game, and we got ourselves in trouble. But we did show the character to get out of there. And, and you see, every game's different because every team plays a little bit of different style. Every team really comes to play. There, there's, I mean, tournament hockey. I've always said you don't have to play your best hockey as much as you love to. It's just about getting results, and you know you've got to adapt to that. But the, as I said earlier, the players certainly did adapt to it, and it's, it's definitely a great life experience for them. Yes, absolutely. And and for British hockey, more, more generally, obviously there was a, a flurry of tournaments, wasn't there, with the, the under-18s women in action as well, uh, roughly at the same time. So uh, and, and then we're about to enter that period now of Olympic qualifications and all kinds of stuff. So the international game, I mean, how, how do you see your boys' performance and how it fits into the, the wider picture for, for British hockey? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you say, the, the under-18 women were in Poland and we were in Lithuania roughly the same time. You got um, the, the Olympic qualifiers. Then you have the the 18s, under 18 men going away. Senior women, senior men. Then obviously kind of right at the end. And ultimately, it's it's always important. And it's you know for us, obviously, promotion, as we said earlier, was was the key. And that's where we wanted to go to try and get the youth program a little bit more aligned with the senior program. I think the difficulty you get with the the youth programme is there's obviously such a turnover of players every every year, every couple of years with the, the age criteria. And then, you know, you're trying to prepare them so that Peter and his staff can have a look at what's coming through. But, you know, the international hockey becomes it becomes important for the game. I mean, the game generally here is, is about us trying to progress and, and trying to make sure that our players get the opportunity that they can. And if we can continue to, to just try and, and progress every single tournament we get to, see, we went 20s there, bronze to silver. Obviously, next year, we've got to try and progress again. Sean Easton and his team of 18s men will be looking to progress again, back up a level. If we can do that as much as we can, 
then hopefully with the with the job that Peter and his staff have done and senior men and, and obviously they're inspirational to us all right now, we can just start to grow and continue to grow that game so that we can get the junior programme up as close to the men's programme as possible and try and move this country forward. Yes, absolutely. But uh, no rest for you, of course, Marty, because obviously you've got the, the day job with the Solway Sharks. I mean, that, that's progressing quite nicely. And uh, obviously uh, you, you go away. Liam Stenton goes away as well with, with uh, the, the under-20s and he's performed uh, brilliantly during the tournament. So uh, it's it's back back to the bread and butter over, over the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, it's great for a small club like us that, that we've got Liam in the programme and we had a couple of guys in the in the trial process. We've got a few guys in the under eighteen process as well. And uh, you know, it's it's always difficult because you know you're going to lose one of your better players when when we go away to these tournaments. But as a club, we're proud to try and get these guys to that level. And you know, I've got a good assistant coach in Jamie Thompson when I go away, and he looked after things when I was gone and uh, picked up a couple of wins and were involved in a couple of close contests. But now we're at the business end of the season and we've got a semi-final coming up this weekend with, with Murrayfield in the North Cup. And then we've got to try and just march forward and, and stay consistent and try and give ourselves the best possible chance of being there and thereabouts when the, the trophies are handed out at the end of the season. Martin Grubb there, head coach of the Great Britain under-20s team, as well as the Solway Sharks, of course. And we'll be catching up once again with the international game in the coming weeks. Uh, but uh, just before we go, it's uh, time to, to have one last look at the top end of the National Ice Hockey League National Division. Telford Tigers currently sitting out in front. On Thursday night, though, ahead of his side's Semi-final first leg in the National Cup against the Swindon Wildcats. I caught up with the head coach at the Telford Tigers. It's a welcome return to Tom Watkins. Oh, we're enjoying it. You know, we've had a had a strong start to the season. And at this point in the season, if, uh, if you'd asked us in September, of course, we'd have snapped your hands off. But I like to think we've, we've earned the opportunity to be where we are. We've worked hard. We've had a, a fair share of uh, injuries, as has everybody this season. But luckily, with the depth and, that we've got in, in the whole club, we've been able to to carry on and keep winning some games where perhaps we have turned up on the day and, and gone, Craig, how are we going to manage today? So that's a credit to the players, really, and the, and the all-round commitment that, the, that everybody's played with this season. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, when, when you're dealing with four-point weekends, um, you know, a, a seven-point gap could just go with a click of a finger, really. But the the, the run of form you want at the moment, uh, I think it's one defeat in 13 or something silly like that. I mean, um, you must have had... a. An idea, though, at the start of the season, just just what your boys were capable of. Um, I think in our organisation, we we looked at an area that the areas that we needed to improve, and uh, thankfully we were able to do that. And um, it was interesting looking at some of the the predictions of where this this team would be this season, and I think some as as low as eighth. Uh, but I think internally, we knew that we got a good group. We we knew that we'd. Uh, made inroads in our goaltender in Adam Bradday to the roster this year who was going to add some quality there um, some consistency um, and then you know we, we'd, I think the big other big key for us was improving the speed of the group and I think we did that found a lot of young guys a lot of energy guys but a lot of guys that also can skate well so I think internally we, we, we had our our aims and objectives that we, we wanted to be but um, you know we've also got a lot of good experience in here guys that have been in clubs that 
have, have gone all the way. So we're able to blend that quite nicely with that, that, that youthful energy that we've got. And how important is that blend as well around the dressing room? Because um, the, the travelling aspects, obviously this season, it's a it's a national division. Uh, and, and like we, we're proving here, we're, we're recording this on Thursday night, you've got an, a, an away trip to Swindon. So, so it, having that close-knit kind of dressing room is important, isn't it, going home and away? Yeah, I think we've... You never know how the chemistry is going to be in the dressing room when you when you uh, recruit a, a roster and add a number of new players to it. Um, obviously, what you do is try and make sure you, you're aware of their character and, and and who they are and what sort of attitude they bring to the to the dressing room. And you know, luckily, we've got a great group and everybody gets on well. And uh, if you talk about the travel and this year, it's actually shorter than we've had for the last two seasons. <laughs> if you if you toss up the mileage as a complete total. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've got a group that enjoy each other's company, and I think that's always a, a big part. And uh, they tap each other on the back when, when when somebody blocks a shot or somebody takes a hit for the team, and I think that encourages everybody to do the same. And then to the league on on Saturday, uh, an away trip to Hull Pirates, a uh, big banana skin that one. And then obviously you're hosting Leeds on Sunday, so the games are coming thick and fast, but nothing changes. You just got to keep that momentum going. Yeah, it's hard. You know, it is hard, and I think uh, every game's a banana skin. Every weekend's a banana skin. I think it's 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 been great this season that we've we've come back to uh, you know, fully competitive action every week. Nobody knows who's going to win on a on a nightly basis, and that, that's how the, the league should be. And I'm sure when Leeds uh, get their their new arena, Sanzo Jack's boys will will start turning over some more more teams on the basis that they'll they'll have more opportunity to bond on this group because I think they're as good as anybody. So I don't think there's a bad team in the league at all at the moment. Um, and uh, although we've got a seven-point gap at the moment, it's very easy to have one bad weekend and you know you, you're kind of back to uh, evens with, with Swindon, maybe Basingstoke as well. It's very close and there's still a long way to go. And I think the one thing for us is that we manage each game on a on a on a nightly basis and um, we focus only on that. I think we looked at it the other day. There's 20 plus games, so. There's a, long, a lot of hockey still to be played. A lot can happen from injuries to suspensions for, for everything. So we'll purely be focusing on our own performance for the next two months, three months. And a big thank you to Tom Watkins, head coach of the Telford Tigers, for joining us on this week's show. And that's it for the British Ice Hockey Podcast for this week. Remember, for all the latest goings on from the world of British Ice Hockey, you can visit the website britishicehockey.co.uk. We'll, of course, be back next week with a brand new podcast. But from everyone here at the British Ice Hockey Podcast. Wherever you're going this weekend to cheer on your British Ice Hockey side, make sure that you have fun. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.